Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. But I want to wrap this series up. We've been talking about the concept of above. You will remember that I said that the word above conjures up ideas of distance and perspective and height and, and all of that. And, and we talked about, we've been talking about passages throughout God's word where he uses the word above. And you'll remember in, the, in Proverbs chapter 4, the wisest man on the planet said, above all things, guard your heart. And so I, I challenge you. You remember how we guard our heart? We guard our eyes. We guard our mouth. We guard our feet. As we guard those elements of our life, it provides a guard around, a protection around our heart. And so I just want to encourage you to continue. Just because the series is wrapped up doesn't mean that you should stop guarding your heart. You've got to be diligent with your heart on a daily basis to make sure that you accomplish and become everything that God wants you to become. Guard your heart. And then last week I talked to you about living above below. And I said to you that in the New Testament, the Bible says that we should live above reproach. We should live above below. And I talked to you about the fact that you have an obligation to earn doubt. We want you to live such a, at such a righteous level that people actually doubt your guilt before they doubt your innocence. Oh, that was good. Y'all just sat at, right there and stared at me like I hadn't said nothing. I said, we want you to live your life in such a manner, so righteous, so holy, so close to Christ, that they will doubt your guilt before they doubt your innocence. Oh, y'all still ain't with me. I want you to live so far above reproach that when people hear bad things about you at work, they'll go, there is no way on God's green earth that they would have ever done that. Because I know them better than that, and I've seen their witness. We want you to live above, below. Well, this morning what I want us to do is I want to wrap this up by going back into the, into the book of Philippians, and then also into the book of 1 Peter. And this morning, we talked last week about living above, below. So this morning, I want to wrap it up by talking to you about living above, above. There you go. That's a, that's a, a mouth. Above. Above, Let, let's, let's read it in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3, four, 3 through 4, it says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, here it comes, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. I want to read that phrase again. Not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of the others. In the, in the Message Bible, it says it like this. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Above, above. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8 simply says this. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. So three things very quickly. The first thing that I want to challenge you this morning is that we must be above, above thinking. In, in 1970, about 1978, a guy by the name of Robert Ringer wrote a book. The tie, it was a bestseller. The book was titled, Looking Out for Number One. 
And that book was on the best-selling book. It was the best-selling book in America for 46 weeks in a row, which reveals, it gives us a glimpse of the mentality that has invaded our country and now has invaded our lives and our churches to the point that we are most consumed with and most concerned with looking out for number one. And yet Paul comes along in Philippians and he says this. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition, conceit, value others above yourselves. Do nothing of the, about your own interest, but take care of the interest of others. There's this reality that we need to come to grips with. When we accept Christ as our personal Savior, at that moment, our hearts should open up to the needs and the concerns and the situations of others. In fact, what I want to say to you this morning is that when we accept Christ, we, we instantly are enrolled in a radical way of living that flies in the face of our society. Uh, I can't get no help this morning. Y'all think y'all can just live any way you want to and still serve the king. But what I am saying to you is that at the moment that you bow your knee or your heart and you make him king, at that moment your way of living has to change and the values and the, 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 the things that our society thinks is okay are no longer okay for us. In fact, if you're really going to live for Jesus in a radical manner, it will fly in the face of our society. Our society says, me first. Don't cut me off. Don't, don't drive down the road and pull up in front of me and get in line ahead of me because I will tell you where to go and how fast to get there. Y'all ain't never run into that person on the road. Uh, some of y'all are that person on the road. I understand where you're at this morning. Uh, we, we have this concept that this is a doggy dog. I'll get mine. I don't care about you. I'll step on whoever I have to step on. I will do to you whatever I got to do to you to get ahead. In fact, we're trained to do that now. Reality TV and all the, the survivors and all those other shows, all this, the amazing race. If I have to move an envelope so you can't find it, if I have to hide an immunity idol so you can't locate it, if I have to steal all your food, the reality for us now is I will do whatever I've got to do for me. But Paul says is we got to get above, above thinking we got to come to this place where we value one another. I want to ask you some questions this morning that I've been wrestling with all week that I want you to wrestle with now so I can get them off of me. I think the answers to these questions dramatically reveal to us whether we are above, above thinking. We are not supposed to think about ourselves above others, but maybe we do. Here's one of the questions I wrote down. When was the last time that you actually came to church for what you could give rather than what you could get. Hey, man, I'm dismissed right now because some of you are struggling right there with that. We want to come to church and get ours. I got to get my praise on. I got to get my dance on. I got to get my goosebumps. I got to get a word so I can live all week. I got to get my goosebumps. I got to get my financial blessing. When is the last time that you actually pulled up at church, got out of your car with the whole concept is I didn't come for nothing but what I could give to others? Can I just encourage you? I just want to encourage you. Smile at me real big. I'm getting ready to encourage you. All right, you ready? Okay. So make sure. Here's my encouragement. Quit coming to church for you. 
If you've been in church longer than about a year and you've been studying your word and you're a self-feeder and you've been becoming mature in your relationship with Christ, the day is over for you to be able to come to church for you because what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. So if you would get your mind off yourself and pull up in that parking lot and bust those doors wide open and say, I'm here not for me but for you, God will allow things to begin to happen in your life. Oh, you're saying, Steve, I, I, I should never come and I got a need in my life and I should never. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we come for what we can get more often than we come for what we can give. The second question that I wrote down was this. Y'all not going to like this one. I didn't like this one either. When was the last time you sincerely took stock of the fact that your disobedience, catch that now, we're talking about, I'm talking about me, you're talking about you. I'm not talking about you, you're talking about you. When was the last time that you took stock of the fact that your disobedience in any area, but I named a few, in tithing, in serving, in worshiping, or in any other form impacted someone else other than you? Do you recognize the truth of the body of Christ is that we are connected and what I do impacts not only me and my family, but it literally impacts you? What you do, with if you refuse to tithe, it doesn't just curse you. It curses us. Y'all didn't like that. That flew right back at me. I'm just telling you, that's scripture, man. We are connected to one another. We are a body. Anybody ever stubbed their toe? And, and then the thing that went through your mind was, I don't care about my toe. It didn't hurt. My hands don't hurt, so I don't give, give any care about what happened to my toe. No, when your toe is hurt, everything hurts. We are connected in the physical body. We are connected in the spiritual body. And if you falter in your walk, it affects me. If you're disobedient to God, it affects me. If you refuse to serve, it affects me. If you refuse to tithe, it affects me. We are connected. When is the last time that you sat down and thought, I am disobedient in this area, and it is causing a curse to come over somebody else other than me? That's, that's how we get above, above thinking. I get my mind off of me and I get it on to you. When was the last time you prayed for someone else's promotion rather than your own? Ooh. Boy, I wish they'd give the mic to so-and-so so she could sing. Instead, what we do is sit here and go, I wish they'd give me a microphone so I could sing. I wish they would let so-and-so have the microphone and let them preach. Instead, what we do is we come to church and we literally sit sometimes and go, I wish they'd give me a microphone because I got a word today. I wish they would get a promotion at work so they could get a new car. Instead, what we do is we drive up in our little beater and we go, oh, man, I need a new car. And I wish, God, you'd give me a promotion. And we fail to pray for somebody else's promotion. When was the last time you celebrated someone else's blessing without secretly asking God, why them and not me? When's the last time you heard about somebody that got a promotion at work, got a raise at work, got a new car, got a new refrigerator, got a, got a new dryer, got a new whatever? When is the last time that that happened and you literally stopped and said, thank you, Jesus, instead of, come on, Jesus. They don't even serve like I serve. They don't do what I do, and yet you're blessing them. What in the world do you think you're doing, Lord? Did you miss it? You, you missed it by three houses, God. 
I want to say to you this morning is that we've got to grow up to the place where we don't just, where we just don't think about ourselves less. Catch this. I want us to mature as a body and as individuals where we don't just think about ourselves less, but we don't even think about ourselves at all. That's a different way of thinking, isn't it? Well, it's quiet in here this morning. I want to just give you the prescription, if I may, for the healthy church. I, I don't want to just have a church. I want to have a healthy church. Everybody want to be a part of a healthy church? Say amen. Amen. You ever been part of an unhealthy church? I don't like that alternative. I want to be a part of a healthy church. Can I give you the pre prescription for a healthy church? Are you ready? Here it is. Here it is right here. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I'm just reading you the text again out of a different version, by the way. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. If we would ever grasp that truth, we would be involved and living and functioning in a healthy body because I would be looking out for you. You can sit in my chair and it won't tick me off. You can choose the carpet color and it won't make me mad. You get to pick the song you like and you like it and it pushes your button and I hate it. It's the wrong beat. It's too white for me. I don't like it. But it blessed you so you know what? I'll sing it anyway. I want you to hear me today. We got to learn to value one another, prefer one another to the point that I will do whatever I have to do and I will pay whatever cost I have to pay to see you blessed. If I can get you to the place where you can become blessed, then I got news for you. I will receive back because the scripture says that when we give, I'm not just talking about money here. Y'all don't get too nervous on me. When we give, it will come back to us pressed down and shaken together. Some of us don't have nothing coming back. Well, we got some stuff coming back, but it ain't what we wanted because we're not giving appropriately. So we're receiving back what we've been giving, which is nothing. Like this preacher very much this morning. That's all right. That's all right. I just, I just believe this. Until we come to the place and to the level of maturity where we prefer others over ourselves, here this is a bold statement. We will truly never know the true beauty and the true power and the true fullness of living in the body of Christ. See, y'all didn't even catch that because that's so foreign to us. We don't even understand it. We just come to church. We, we, don't, we, we, we don't come to church and understand the implications that when we come to church, if we would ever come to the place where I come to church for you instead of me, and you come to church for me instead of you, and that begins to happen in the body at that moment, the power and the beauty and the health of the living body of Christ will be released in this room, and our lives will change forever. We just don't understand that. We have way too many consumers in the body and not enough producers. We suck the life out of a church rather than giving. See, y'all ain't liking me, but Woody preached a message a couple months ago called Parasites. At least I didn't say you were a parasite, Parasite. See, this makes no sense to, sense to me, and I'll just say it, and then I'll move on so you still listen to me. We would never think about going to a restaurant and eating the buffet and leaving without paying. But we will come feed week after week after week after week and never give anything back. So y'all think I'm just talking about money. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about emotional energy, spiritual energy, serving, love, faithfulness, 
tithing, all of it's wrapped up. We will come and feast and walk out and never invest. And the only difference is, is at the restaurant, if you did that, they would call the police on you. And what we do is we go, get them. That's all we can do is say, God, get them. And he does. But because we're so caught up in our own life, we don't even recognize the fact that God's working against us instead of for us. We want to blame everybody else for our problems when the root of the problem is the fact that we didn't understand that the Bible says that we got to get above, above thinking. The second thing I want to say to you this morning is that value determines treatment. Value determines treatment. In 1953, reporters and city officials gathered at the Chicago Railroad Station. They were there to welcome and to meet the 1952 Nobel Peace Prize winner. They were all excited and there was a buzz in the air when the train pulled up at the stop and a gargantuan man, six foot four, bushy hair and large mustache steps out of the train towering above, above everyone else Camera, cameras begin to flash and officials begin to run to him and welcome him and congratulate him and say we're so thankful for the fact that you're here today this huge man politely thanked them and then looking over their heads he stopped the commotion for just a second and said if you don't mind could I be excused for just a moment and he walked through the crowd. He pressed his way through and way back at a different stop, he rushed up to a little old black lady that was barely able to walk, struggling with two huge suitcases. And he rushed up to her side and he picked up those suitcases and walked her to the train and deposited those suitcases for her. And then he wished her a safe journey. When Dr. Albert... Schweitzer came back to the crowd. He was the famous missionary doctor who had spent his entire life helping the poor in Africa. One of the city officials that was there to congratulate him and to meet him leaned over to the reporter standing next to him and said, that's the first time I've ever in my whole life seen a walking sermon. How we value people determines how we treat people. Paul says that we should prefer one another and, and make sure that I take care of your interest rather than my own. Let, let me see if I can. See, the, the, the truth is, is if I value you, I won't mistreat you. Let, let, me, let me see if I can help you and reveal this to, to be true. How many of you in this room have ever rented a car? Do you treat your car differently than you treat the rental car? Man, I've, written, I've driven a bunch of rental cars and... They're fast. <laughs> Man, they're fast now. I can get it. I can get some, you give me a rental car, I can make some good old time. But in my car, I'm not going to drive like that because I value my car more because it costs me. Let, me. let me give you another illustration. How many of you watched the show Pawn Stars? I had to be careful how I said that because every time I said it this week as I was reading over my notes, I want somehow that pawn changed to a different word. So pawn stars. I was watching Pawn Stars one day and this guy walked in and I think he had, five, if I remember correctly, it was five Pete Rose rookie cards. Okay, baseball players or baseball fans know who I'm talking about. Those of you that aren't uh, baseball fans don't have a clue who I'm talking about. Pete Rose, alright? Rookie cards. Valuable. Had five of them. 
He walks into Pawn Stars. He lays them on the counter. He thinks that they're worth thousands of dollars. But lo and behold, the pawn guy has to break the news to him that they're fake. They're not real. And so the guy who has cherished and held on to these rookie cards since he was a little kid turns in disgust and walks out of the store and leaves them on the counter. And the pawn guy stops him and says, don't you want these? And he said, I don't want those. They're trash. They're the same cards he walked in with. There's nothing different about those cards from the day he bought them till now, except for he values them differently than he did before. I've never seen a husband have an affair who valued his wife. Be as quiet here in the room. I've never seen a wife nitpick and demean and nag her husband to the place that he wants out if she values him. I've never seen children who won't who who are completely and totally rebellious and who who will talk back and talk bad about their parents if they knew their parents valued them I've never seen parents mistreat children if the parents I've never seen a friend that stabbed somebody in the back and betrayed if they understood that the person they're doing that to values them to such a degree that they would never even think about doing that. Value determines treatment. What I'm saying to you this morning is this. If we would learn to value one another, we would never discard we would never walk away from, we would never betray, we would never stab one another in the back, we would never prefer ourselves over you if we actually valued one another and understood that you are extremely valuable to me. I want you to hear me clearly this morning. The most valuable asset that we have a church as a church is not our sound system, although I'm thankful we have it. The most valuable asset that we have as a church is not the chairs that you're sitting on or the lights that are shining or even the air conditioning that is cooling us off right now. The most valuable asset that we have as a church is the person sitting next to you. The valuable thing about being a part of passion is not a cool logo. It's not cool worship. It's not cool anything. The fact that you are sitting next to a living, breathing child of God that has something to commit and something to, to give into your life, that is the most valuable asset that we can have. That's why... We want to have the best children's ministry. That's why we want to have the best youth ministry. That's why we want to have the best worship experience. That's why I want to have the most smiling greeters. I want them to smile more than the greeters at Walmart. That's why I want to have the best of everything. Not so that we can say that we have the best, but because when people walk in the door, we want them to know that we value them and we are thankful that they are here and you mean something to us. You're not just a number. You're valuable. In fact, let me say it like this. This is not for our visitors. This is for those of you that count yourself as a part of our body. Let me just say it to you like this. Value determines treatment. If you're here week after week and you see somebody missing and you don't check on them, you don't value them. 
Well, that went over huge. You know, we've got people that have been missing for weeks because they just checked out because it's summer. They like the lake better than they like church. And they haven't been here in weeks. And if you're not checking on them, you don't value them. I am releasing you to understand that when there's somebody gone, when there's somebody missing, we all miss at times, we're going to miss at times. I'm just saying to you that when somebody can miss week after week, it doesn't just hurt them. So y'all aren't getting this. It hurts you. We've got to learn to value. Finally, I want to say to you that we must develop a stretched out love. That's an odd phrase, a stretched out love. Let me explain. In 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter says, keep fervent in your love for one another. That Greek word there for fervent not only means intent. That's when, when we say fervent, we think passion. When we say the word fervent, we, mean, we, we think intense and fired up. And it does carry that connotation, but there's another connotation it brings into play, and it, it, it means this. Stretched out. So in other words, above all, remain stretched out in your love for one another. I just want to say this, and some of you can amen, amen me if you want to. It's a stretch to love some of you in here. Right? It's a stretch for you to love certain people in your life. It's a stretch. It stretches you. You actually have to work at it. I have to make up my mind. See, love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. I have to make up my mind to love you. If I didn't make up my mind, I wouldn't love you. And so my love is being stretched. That's part of being a part of the body of Christ is that you're maturing in your love. God is trying to stretch you out and cause you to love. That's why I want people in here that don't look like you and smell like you and dress like you and may have a little tinge of some other kind of aroma coming off of them. I want your love to be stretched. It's easy for me to love people that look just like me. It's easy for me to love people that act just like me. But when they walk in this place and don't have a clue my love has to stretch to them and I just want to know this morning is, it, is your love being stretched here are you being forced to get out of your comfort zone and love people and rub shoulders with people and talk to people that you would have never spent any time with otherwise loving is not always easy don't say amen if you're sitting next to your spouse right now. Loving is not always easy, but loving is always essential. And loving is what Jesus always does for us, so we should in turn always do for others. we got to love so, each other so much that we'll quit comparing ourselves to one another. It also means that we have to cover for one another. In fact, Paul goes on, or Peter goes on and says this. He says, if you have a stretched out love, your stretched out love will cover a multitude of sins. This type of above living requires us to protect one another. I want you to hear me carefully, and then I'm going to be done. I promise. I'm almost done. I'm landing this thing. Listen carefully. The Greek word there used for cover actually carries the concept to hinder the knowledge of a thing to hide, to conceal. That is above living. Hear me this morning. If you learn to conceal or to cover one another's sins, you are learning to live above because below living thinks that you have the necessity to share sin. 
I find out what you did, and I'm going to tell everybody. Have you ever been part, don't raise your hand, you ever been a part of a church like that? You didn't dare let anybody know that you had any problems at all because everybody in the whole body would know what you did. That is not above living. When we learn and we mature to the level of living that Christ has called us to, we will live above. And when I find out your faults, I will cover your faults. Let me say it like this. Hear me carefully. This is a declaration that some of you need to hear clearly. I will not ignore your sin. But I will cover it. There's a huge difference. I will point your sin out, and most of you that have been here long enough know that I will. I'm black and white. I will call it just like I see it. Don't pull any punches. Don't wash it down. Just make you feel good. If it's sin, it's sin. I'm not going to wash it down and look over it, but I will cover it. I will cover your sin so that you come to the place, hear me carefully, I will cover your sin until you choose not to deal with your sin. Y'all didn't catch that. Let me explain quickly. I have a mandate. You have a mandate for the people sitting around you. We don't ignore one another's sin, but we do cover one another's sin. And so I watch, and I see you in sin, and I point your sin out. The Bible teaches us to do this. We go to one another. When we see our brother has fallen in sin, we rush to their side and point it out and say, that's sin. And then we allow you to make this choice. Are you going to deal with it? Are you going to ignore it? And at the moment you ignore it, the covering comes off. But as long as you say, man, I'm trying. I, I'm not perfect. I'm doing my very best. I'm trying to live through this thing. We're trying to work through this. I'm trying to overcome this. At that moment, I have the mandate to provide a covering over you to protect you. So in other words, not only must you protect your witness, I will protect your witness. Y'all didn't get that. Look at your neighbor right now and say, I will protect your witness. That means when I hear people talking negatively about you and saying they think you're doing things and you may even be doing them, I will come to your defense even if I'm not sure you're not doing what they're saying. And I will say, you know what, you probably don't have all the facts. If you really got issues, why don't you go talk to them personally and find out what they're really involved in. Rather than jumping to the assumption that they're guilty, I will protect your witness. I have a mandate to not only watch my back and to watch my witness, I am my brother's keeper. So when somebody says such and such about Brandon, I go, no, you misunderstood. Then I go to Brandon and say, did you do what they said you did? And he says, yeah, I did. I look at him and I go, then that is not acceptable. And I will continue to cover you and say that everything is okay until you show me that you're not willing to deal with it. And then at at that moment, then I will pull the covers back and say, you're right. He's a scoundrel and he's a sinner and he better get it right. That is a different way of thinking, y'all. That is above, above. I told you last week that you needed to earn doubt. Live so that no one will question your innocence. Now I want to encourage you to have such a stretched out love that we will believe the best about our brothers and our sisters even when they've done everything they can not to deserve that belief. Come on, I want you just to kind of look around the room. Look around. Look at all these people. There are people in this room that you struggle to believe are who they say they are. Do you? 
Is there anybody in the room that you, don't point at them. Isn't there somebody in the room that you struggle just to, I think they're faking it? They're just a big old hypocrite? I am challenging you this morning to let your love be so stretched out that you will look at somebody like that and say, you know what, I'm wrong. I give them the benefit of the doubt, and I will protect their witness because that's my duty. And I want to tell you something this morning. That kind of church will win the world. That kind of church will change a community. Most people don't want to be a part of the church because they think we kill our wounded. And that we're so brutal on each other. Why would I want to be a part of, why would I want to go somewhere where they're going to talk about me, laugh at me, point at my faults, ridicule me, and then kick me out? I can go do that somewhere else. When they see a church that will take somebody that is steeped in alcoholism and give them the benefit of the doubt and let them keep coming as long as they're working on it, man, you can sit next to me and my kids then I will go find that church and I will line up to get in. That is what we're trying to establish here. But the only way we can establish that is for you to change your thinking and begin to think above, above, and to think like Jesus. That is my challenge to you this morning, that we go out of our way, that we love intently, and that we become fired up about one another until I believe the best about you. I want you to stand with me this morning. I have battled all week long on how to close this because I don't think I wanted to do it the way God wanted it to do, be done because it's a little uncomfortable. But this morning we're going to do what he says to do. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to dismiss you. If you're here for the first time, make sure you get your cookies. But I'm going to release you. Some of you are going to escape because that's what you do. I want you to stick around longer than that this morning. I want you to find somebody. And prefer them to think above. How do, how, how do we do I have no clue. I've been trying to put it into flesh all week and I can't figure this out. So I just kind of came to grips with the fact that the Holy Spirit must know what He's doing. I want to release you to go and to prefer somebody. That means you may need to go to somebody and thank them for what they do around here. There are people that do things around here that you wouldn't even think about doing. We got folks in the nursery that miss service week after week so that you can sit in here and enjoy the presence of the Lord. We've got children's workers that give week after week after week so that you can enjoy yourself in here. We got sound people. We got people that sit in here that aren't even doing any of those kind of things, but you watch them week after week, and they're standing and they're just in the, minding their own business, but they're praising God freely, and it blesses you. You ought to go to somebody like that and say, you know what? I just want to honor you this morning. I just want to prefer you this morning. I'm thankful for what you do in my life. You don't even know what you're doing. Now, here's the the hidden part of this. Some of you need to go find some people that it's a stretch for you. I'm uncomfortable talking to them. They're not like me. Stretched out love. You need to go find somebody that it's a little bit of a stretch. Maybe you don't understand them. Maybe they're freaky to you. Goofy. I don't know. Odd. And you need to allow the Holy Spirit to build 
a bridge in your spirits and just go on to them and bless them in Jesus' name and hug on them. Some of you may, may feel led by the Holy Spirit to bless somebody today. Maybe you've got a $5 bill in your pocket and the Holy Spirit will say, give what you've got. Give what you got. Give what you got. Maybe you need to go volunteer. I don't know. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just saying that we got to come to a place as a body where we prefer one another. Father, change our way of thinking. God, I, I don't want to build a church here that's like any other church. I, I don't want to be one of those churches where people come and are abused and people are coming hurt and people from the outside walk in and feel like they're being judged. And God, help us to learn to be above, above thinking. Help us to come to grips with the fact that we don't even really come to church for us. We come to church for us, but we don't come to church for us. We come to church so that others may be blessed. I pray you would change our mentality and allow us to learn that we're connected to one another and that we need one another. And if my brother or my sister is blessed, then I'm blessed. And if my brother and sister is in pain, I'm in pain. Help us to learn to prefer one another, to think good things about one another. Help us to value I will never mistreat my brother and my sister in this house if I value them. I will never demean them. I will never ridicule them. I will never spread rumors about them. I will never gossip about them. I will never point fingers at them if I value them. God, teach us the value of your kingdom. Let us value one another. The greatest gift you gave us other than your son is your body. We want to value one another. The elements of my life that I'm missing... You position people around me. They're my most valuable asset. Help us to value one another, I pray today. God, I pray you'd stretch our love out to the degree that even if the person I'm getting ready to talk to, I know they're in the wrong, I pray that my love would be so fervent for them that I will cover a multitude of sins to win them and to protect them. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.